0: blessing to be with you all this morning. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we adore you because you are our God. We honor you for your creation and your providential works this morning and every day, the overflow of your great affection. You gave us the blessing of life and made us in your image so that intimate union with you would resonate with us as your people. We adore you for your character, for your beautiful story of redemption, and for your name being synonymous with love, an emotion we can feel and understand by your design. Father, we confess our sin and our pride before you. We know that you despise it, and that we deserve to be separated from you because of it. Forgive us, Lord. Thank you for your mercy and for the gospel truth of Jesus and his sacrifice that cancels our sin. Father, we ask that you draw us nearer to you and by your grace cause us to be more like Jesus. Cause us to surrender and serve, knowing that we are incapable of doing so without your example and your spirit. We ask for a relationship with you that bears fruit for your kingdom. Give us wisdom and a strong faith that you will provide it, and for steadfastness in our trials and tribulations so that we may be mature and complete. This morning, we specifically pray for Richard and Barbara Thompson's granddaughter, Hollis, who continues cancer treatment on Monday morning. We also pray for her brother, Witt, who has the flu and that you would keep that illness from spreading. We lift up Dave, Catherine, and Baker Driscoll Lord, offer a special special measure of grace to their sweet family during a difficult time. We pray for Bill and Cindy Hay as Pastor Hay is recovering in the hospital, for Scott and Anne-Marie Levier and the loss of her stepfather. We lift up the missions team, serving with Forgotten Children's Ministries in Honduras this week, made up of Ashley and Kurt Sin, Tom and Connie Edwards, Bob and Carol Schaffeld, Ellie Holt, Emily Mintz, Henry Morris, Caroline Royal, and Daniel Sluice. Lord, we pray for Derek Richardson, who was involved in a bicycle accident this weekend involving a vehicle, uh, involving a femur fracture and surgery that he awaits at UAB. Be with him and the doctors as they seek to treat him. We pray for our senior pastor, Robbie Holt, as he serves on a missions trip to Peru And we pray for peace in Ukraine and in the Middle East. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being your covenant people, for the joyful work you've set before us, and for your everlasting promises. We pray all of these things in the matchless name of Christ. Amen.
1: At the 830 service, we didn't take new member vows because they joined during this service, as you just saw. But we mentioned it in the service, and Josh Johnson uh, said that uh, at 11 o'clock, people will join this uh, chaotic, crazy crew. And I was like, what's he talking about, chaotic, crazy crew? What, what's he mean? Um, and so, just to prove that he was right, um, this has been one of the more scattered mornings of my life. Um, uh, Ellie, our youngest daughter, is on that team in Honduras, which is wonderful. We're glad that she's there. Uh, Chrissy's in Florida, because our sixth grandchild was born on Thursday, Eliza. Jordan McCarahan. So there's a lot of joy there. Uh, I do leave uh, to, to go to Peru tonight. And with all that going on um, and other things as well, I was sitting in my office this morning before the, the first service um, waiting for the 855 service to begin. And, uh, and, and Chrissy, uh, I normally don't have my phone on, but we were com- texting some uh, this morning, and, and I, I texted her at 8.32 and asked her to pray for me that I was scattered. Then I saw the time, I was like, 8.32, The service starts at 8.30. And then I ran in here, um, and I didn't have the worship guide that I had, like, color-coded for myself to make sure I did the right things at the right time. Um, it, was, it was a little chaotic. I was a little scattered. Um, I don't feel that much less scattered now. So just, I got a, little, good, a good piece of news for you. In your worship guide, I'm, just a minute, I'm going to read the passage printed on page 15 and then the top page 16. But on page 17, there's actually an outline there for today's sermon. So if I get lost, just keep reading the outline. All right, just, just, and I'm, I'm, I might come back to it. So uh, I really am going to read this passage. It's a great passage on a Sunday when you receive a lot of new members. Uh, this is a great Passes that emphasizes essentially the grace that God has for his people and the joy and the gratitude that comes from believing God's promises and walking with him as his people. So uh, let's read here uh, from Numbers. We're, We're reading part of chapter 14 and chapter 15 as well today as we go through the book of Numbers together. It's a really important part of the story. God's people got right up to the borderland the borderland of the promised land right on the precipice of getting the sweet part of enjoying god's good plan for them he had rescued them from bondage in egypt he had led them through the wilderness to himself as it were on eagle's wings brought them to mount sinai from sinai he's now led them through the wilderness right up to the border of the promised land and the land is theirs by sheer gift all they have to do is go in and get it but as we saw last week, uh, the, the spies were sent in and they went in and they all verified the land exactly as God said it was. It's flown with milk and honey. It's a wonderful land. It's a great land. But 10 of the spies focused on what their eyes could see, all the obstacles, all the difficulties, all the giants, the tall people there. And they thought, you know, the cities are too big. They're too fortified. The people are too tall. We can't do it. And so God's people rejected his plan. And that gives us to uh, today's passage Numbers fourteen, eleven, and following. And Yahweh said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I've done among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. But Moses said to Yahweh, then the Egyptians will hear of it. For you brought up this people in your might from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, O Yahweh, are in the midst of this people. For you, O Yahweh, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands over them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill this people as one man, then the nations who have heard your fame will say, It is because Yahweh was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to give to them that he has killed them in the wilderness. And now, please let the power of Yahweh be great as you have promised, saying, Yahweh is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people, according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. Then Yahweh said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of Yahweh, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and the wilderness, and yet have put me to the test these 10 times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land. That I swore to give to their fathers and none of those who despised me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. Now, since the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valleys, turn tomorrow and set out for the wilderness by the way to the sea. Now, what happened then? Yahweh told him they're going to go and... water in the wilderness for 40 years. And then verse 36 and following, and the men whom Moses sent to spout the land who returned and made all the congregation grumble against him by bringing up a bad report about the land. The men who brought up a bad report of the land died by plague before Yahweh. Of those men who went to spout the land, only Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Yathuna, remained alive. All flesh is like grass and all its glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Help us remember your goodness today and rest in your promises. Rejoice in your provision. Keep us, O Lord, focused on you and your great salvation and your one great plan for the nations and your whole creation, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as we go through this passage today, I want us to see together that the root sin of unbelief produces the fruit of rebellion. That's a little bit of a review last week and a quick, quick overview into today's passage. And then we're going to see that God's presence, because God is truly God, God's presence brings judgment and salvation, judgment on those who do not believe, but salvation for those Who do and then finally we're going to see that God's grace produces excellent fruit. And if you're that kind of person that likes to take notes, there's even blanks for you to fill in later. So here we go. All right. So first of all, just a reminder of last week, and then looking into this passage, the root sin of unbelief produces the fruit of rebellion. Don't misunderstand the disobedience and the unbelief and the rebellion that we're seeing here. It's really important. God's people rejected God's singular one plan he had for them and in rejecting that plan they rejected him this is not that God said don't lie and they told a lie this is not God said don't steal and they stole no this is deeper and bigger than that God rescued his people from Egypt he led them through the wilderness he brought them to the promised land he's about to walk them in it and give it to them are there obstacles? Absolutely. Are there large obstacles, humanly speaking? Absolutely. But nonetheless, God has made his promises and he is going to take his rescued people right into the land and give it to them. And because they saw the obstacles and forgot the promise and trusted their observations above what God said, they said, we can't go in. 10 of the 12 spies says, said, we can't do it, which was really a confession that God can't do it. And then they came and gave a bad report of the land and they emphasized all the obstacles and they didn't emphasize the promise. And so that bad report, as is repeated twice here in our passage, that bad report led to the rebellion of the whole nation. Even though Caleb got in their presence and said, no, 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 no. Listen, it is a good land and Yahweh is with us. They're, They're not protected. We are, we can take it. Even though he confronted them with Yahweh's promises and Yahweh's character, they still said, nope, we are, we are going to appoint a leader for ourselves and we are going to go back to Egypt. This isn't a minor rebellion. This is a major rebellion. This is saying we turn our back on God and his plan for us. We'll choose our own leader and we will rescue and save ourselves. Caleb tries one more time to slow him down and they decide they're all going to stone him. So they are absolutely committed to rejecting God's promises. Israel rejected God's plan of redemption. And don't forget what Yahweh said. Yahweh said they rejected me because they didn't believe in me. And that's the heart of it. That's last week in a quick summary to get us to the heart of this week's passage. So secondly, I want you to see that God's presence brings judgment and salvation. Uh, Here's a summary of the second point. There are people that trust Yahweh and they're going to experience salvation. There are people that have rejected him because they don't believe him and they're going to experience judgment. So let's look at how it falls out. First of all, just the facts, judgment falls. So here's what happened. They sent the spies into the land for 40 days and they came back in 10 out of 12 said, we can't go in. The obstacles are too big. And so their judgment that falls is this. Yahweh says, even as you were in the the land as my scouts for 40 days, now you'll wander in the wilderness for 40 years. So that's a a severe discipline. They said, our children will be prey. Yahweh said, nope, your children will get the land. They said, we're going to fall in this desert. Yahweh says, you will fall in this desert. So that whole first generation, everyone from 20 years old and up, they're going to die off in the wilderness. Only Caleb and Joshua will go in. Why? They disobeyed. Why? They didn't believe. And so the result of their failure to believe, the fruit of their unbelief was rebellion. And now they get the judgment that they deserve. The very things they said would happen. Yahweh says, yes, you said you'd fall in the desert. You will fall in the desert. But you said your children will be prayed. No, they won't. Your children will inherit the land. And so that whole generation wanders in the wilderness for 40 years. Severe but righteous discipline from God upon whom? His covenant people. The people who had taken vows to be his people. The people who had said, you're our God and we're your people. The people that said, we'll do all that you command us to do. Those very people didn't believe and so they disobeyed think about how this passage helps us think about how it is that people end up rejecting god and his plans for them in one sense these people have suffered a lot and they've struggled a lot in the wilderness and uh, they're like us they always want they want like us they want to be in the new heavens new earth already they want to be in the land already they want to be in the land and have all the enemies scattered already they want to have the land flowing with milk and honey but without any obstacles or any difficulty or any struggle like them, we, we don't like the wilderness. We don't like the struggle and the difficulty. And at times, because of the things that God brings to our lives, His very providence are the very things we would never ask for. Difficulties that we don't fully understand and difficulties that, that feel way too much for us. In those moments, there's a temptation to say, I will keep my life. I will do things my way and I'm not going to trust in the Lord here. And that's the, those experiences of the people in the wilderness, they, they, their experience was too difficult for them. But also another reason that people reject uh, God is that sometimes uh, we live by sight rather than by faith, but also uh, sometimes people like you and me reject God's ways because we just want to do the things that he forbids. God has forbidden us. Uh, to live in certain ways and we want to do what we want to do because uh, it appeals to us. And so not wanting to walk in God's ways, we reject his ways, thus we reject him. We no longer believe that his ways are good and right and true and we want to have life on our own terms. So core temptation for God's covenant people. And so that's what happened here and so what happened was judgment falls. We read it in verse 36 to 38. Uh, 10 of those 12 scouts who did what who read the situation with their own eyes based on what they could see apart from god's promises 10 of those spies says we can't go in we must get our own leader we must go back to egypt those 10 spies uh, died in the wilderness and they died immediately they died by plague in yahweh's presence so that's the facts judgment falls And what our passage is saying in last week's reading of Hebrews 3 says the bottom line is they didn't believe. Here we are, we're Covenant Presbyterian Church. We're a room uh, full of people who were brand new members of our church and maybe longtime members of our church. And uh, it's great. And what a day to celebrate and be thankful. But I want you to know this, just because your name is on a roll in a church somewhere doesn't mean you actually believe in God and his promises. And that's the most important thing. Do you believe in the singular plan of God? Because the, ultimately the plan of God was to send his son into this world to rescue a people for himself and to bring us into eternal life through him. And if you reject the son, then that, that unbelief will land you in judgment. God sent his son to take the judgment of wicked people, people who rebel against him. And if you trust in the son, then you'll be saved. But if you reject him, there is no hope or possibility of salvation apart from Jesus Christ, the only mediator between God and man. And while we're thinking about mediation, we probably got to see how it is that God extends his grace to his people in the passage because God doesn't wipe out all of his people. He could have. But he doesn't because there are some who believe. But I want you to see how it is that God moves with his grace towards his people. Salvation comes to them through a mediator. And in this passage, his name is Moses. Did you see in verses 13 and following? uh, Well, what Yahweh said in verse 12 was, I'm going to start over. I'm going to make a nation of you greater than them. I'm going to wipe them out and start over with you. Which I believe is a test for Moses that he passes and what does Moses do? Moses, the mediator, says, no, 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 Yahweh, that won't work. And he gives him two reasons. He, as a mediator, he, he prays and intercedes for Israel, and he appeals to th- two things. He basically says, Yahweh, your global honor is at stake. Egypt knows that you rescued us with your great power. The Egyptians, they all know that. And actually the people in the land, they know we're coming. And, and if you wipe us out as one man, the Egyptians will say, even to the people in the land, that Yahweh couldn't get the job done with his people. They, they'll they draw the wrong conclusion. And, 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 and so what's really important to Moses is the glory of Yahweh over Israel, but all the nations. That's really, really important to Moses. And he appeals... To Yahweh's international fame when he intercedes for Israel, he says, "Hey, your glory's at stake, O oh Lord. If you wipe this people out, the nations will misunderstand who you are, and they will think it's that you're not able, but we know you're able. And then the second thing Moses appeals to is Yahweh's revealed character. Look at that with me. It's there in verse 17. And now, please let the power of Yahweh be great as you have promised. Now, this is amazing. What would the great power of Yahweh look like? And please let the power of Yahweh be great as you have promised, saying, here's power. Yahweh is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generation. Uh, there, Yahweh is quoting—sorry, Moses is quoting what Yahweh himself said at the golden calf incident when Israel rejected Yahweh for a molten golden calf. Yahweh said, "That's who I am. I'm this kind of God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity, but not the guilt." not those who won't believe. And so then. So Moses takes those two things. He appeals to his international fame and he appeals to his revealed character. And then what does he say? Please pardon the iniquity of this people. I'm appealing to your international fame. Oh Lord, I'm appealing to your revealed character. And here's what I'm asking you to do. Will you please forgive them? What a great, what great action by a mediator according to the greatness of your steadfast love that's what you said you are just as you have forgiven this people from egypt until now you got the the allah the argument i want your fame to spread to the nations number one i want you to live in light of your revealed character number two and that's what you have been doing you've been very patient and gracious with us from egypt all the way to now won't you do it again For the sake of your name among the nations, won't you do it again? For the sake of your revealed character, won't you do it again? You have been acting like this, won't you do it one more time? What an effective mediator Moses is. This can teach us all how to pray, by the way. But that's another sermon, and I'm going to move on. Salvation through a mediator. By the way, that, that thing about Moses appealing to God's global honor, sometimes that can strike us as weird. Like God's some kind of cosmic narcissist. So l- let me help you explain that. Um, I'm 54 years old. Um, uh, that What's his name, Perry? Got friends. Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry, 54 years old, uh, died of a heart uh, condition. Uh, just was it yesterday, or there before, I can't remember. I'm 54 years old. Um, and uh, if I go into cardiac arrest before this sermon ends or at the table, let me tell you what I want to happen. If there's anyone in this room who uh is a cardiac surgeon i want you to yell your name really loudly tell everybody your condi- your credentials and get everyone else out of the out of the way do you understand me right because i have a heart condition and if I, if I have a heart condition, I'm not saying I do, I'm saying if, if I have cardiac arrest, I would have a heart condition. I would have a major need. And if there were like the chief of, of uh, cardiac surgery from UAB in the building, I'd want that person to make their way to me very quickly. I want them to lift their voice and get everyone to part ways. I want them to come right to me. Well, the world is filled with people with a heart condition. And there's one God who knows it completely. And there's one God who has the perfect solution. Our God, the creator God, will change people from stony dead hearts. He'll change us at our very core. And he's the only one who can do it. Every other God will manipulate you based on your stony heart and have you bowing down to a false God to take over your life. But our God is gracious and good. And he's the, the true cosmic cardiac cardiac surgeon. And he's the only one that can help you. So when God insists upon his glory, that shouldn't offend us. We should say, oh yeah, he does deserve our worship. My my life is a wreck when he's not the center. But when he's at the center, everything fits together because this is his world and he's the one true God and everything ought to bow down to him. That's the way things ought to be interestingly uh when when Yahweh says that I have pardoned look at verse 20 then Yahweh said I have pardoned according to your word effective mediation by Moses but then look what he says verse 21 but truly as I live he swears upon his existence and then he says what and as all the earth I'm swearing by this and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of Yahweh then he goes on and says, uh, "Who?" Uh, the ones upon whom judgment will fall. Did you hear what he swore swore by? He swore by his own existence and by the fact that the whole earth will be filled with his glory. Uh, Yahweh knows that's the best thing for his whole creation. That's why Jesus taught us how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, your glory spread on earth as it is in heaven. That's it. If God's glory fills the whole earth and all things are made the way they're supposed to be, that's fantastic news for anyone who trusts him, who longs for his ways to overtake our ways. I wonder, is this, is this increasingly important to you? That the glory of God come from heaven to earth and permeate and pervade all things? Or other parts of your life like me at times where you're tempted to like, you know, but that one area of my life, Lord. I think I'd like to stay in charge of that. I want your glory to go everywhere, but over here, I'd like to keep this for myself. And that's what Israel does after Yahweh uh, has the judgments fall. I don't know if you know what happens. He, he tells them, turn, go back to the wilderness. They rebelled against him. They're going to wander the wilderness for 40 years and the people are grief stricken since the consequences have come. And you know what they do? A certain portion of them say, oh, no, 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 we regret it. We're going to go on the land and take it. And they race into the land like an army. They just don't have the ark or Moses or Yahweh's presence and they're defeated. Are you like that? When I read that again last week, it was like looking in the mirror. I blew it. I better fix it myself. I wrecked it. Maybe I can pull it together. And that's what Israel does. Once again, they did rebellious things through unbelief. And this is just another form of rebellion. Now trying to do what God commands, but not by faith in their own strength. And that leads us to what we really need to see and remember, which is the true grace of God. I want you to see finally that God's grace produces excellent fruit. Unbelief leads to rebellion. God's presence leads to judgment on those who do not believe, but salvation for those who do but when we experience god's gracious salvation it produces excellent fruit so if you'll look with me on page 16 there's a couple brief passages from numbers chapter 15 israel has just done their biggest failure rebellion coming out of unbelief they reject yahweh and his ways how gracious is he After dealing with it, bringing his righteous judgment and seeing that a whole generation will die from the wilderness, that's not all the people, there's a next generation. And look at what Yahweh says. Look at the grace of Yahweh, 15 verse one. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land, you were to inhabit, which I'm giving to you. Just pause right there. Do you see the patience and grace of God? They've just rebelled against him like crazy. He puts the one generation under his discipline because they've asked for it and earned it in their unbelief. But now, Caleb, who believed, Joshua, who believed, and that next generation, what's going to be their experience? They're going to go get the land. God has one plan, and he's sticking to it, and no one can deter him from it. And what does he say to the children of that rebellious generation? When you come into the land that I am giving you, our God is remarkably patient and gracious. He didn't have the, 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 the wilderness swallow up all of them, though watch for that. But rather he says, when you come into the land that I am giving you, this is what you will do. And so that's the grace of God. Grace, God is sticking to his ways and he's determined to bless his people, those who trust in him. But look also uh, about this grace, the response to it. Uh, what does God say in 15, 1 through 5? I'll read it and your eyes may glaze over and then I'll just tell you, I'm reading to you about bread, olive oil, and wine. So see if you can follow with that, okay? When you come into the land you inhabit, which I'm giving to you, and you offer to Yahweh from the herd or from the flock of food offering or an ascension offering... Or a sacrifice to fulfill a vow or as a free will offering or at your appointed feast to make a pleasing aroma to Yahweh. So when you bring all those different kinds of animals for sacrifice, then the one who brings near his near bringing shall bring near to Yahweh a grain offering of a tenth of an etha of fine flour, mixed with a quarter of hen of, of a hen of oil, and you shall offer with the ascension the going up offering or for the sacrifice, a quarter of a hen of wine for the drink offering for each lamb. Now, I know that we don't all have ephahs and hens in our vocabulary, but here's what Yahweh just said. Just look at how it illustrates his generosity and his faithfulness. You're gonna wander around for 40 years in this wilderness because your parents didn't believe and they dis- disobeyed me. But when you come into the land and you bring the lamb or the ram or the bull, you're gonna do, you're gonna bring bread and olive oil and wine, why? Because the land is a rich land flowing with milk and honey and I'm good and generous and faithful and I'm gonna fill your hands with it. When you come and do all these things that I command you to do, I'm gonna fill your hands with bread and oil and wine. Some of these sacrifices are the things the whole the the going up the ascension offering is a whole burnt offering and it it gets consumed completely goes in God's presence. Other of these offerings are things that you bring to Yahweh. The priest gets their bit, and you eat in Yahweh's presence, grilled meat with bread and oil and wine. It's almost as if Yahweh is really generous and hospitable and loves to be with his people. He invites us to feast in his presence and it's all possible because he's faithful and generous and you can rely upon him and so the first blank there if you want to do it is the grace of god leads to joyful worship right joyful worship who has your heart (laughs) who do you love Who's supplying all your needs? Who can you count on? Who always comes through? Who's always faithful? Who's always generous? Who keeps all of their promises? Only one. Only one. The faithful and generous God. It's a privilege new and old members to gather on the first day of the week and offer God joyful worship and say, everything we have, it's come from you. You're faithful, you're generous, and we celebrate your goodness. And that's what they were doing here. But look at the last paragraph, 17 and following. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land to which I bring you, there it is again, there's that grace. It's gonna happen. Just trust me. And when you eat of the bread of the land, it's going to happen. The grain will grow for you and you will bake your own bread. And when you eat of the bread of the land, because I'm generous and faithful, you shall present a contribution to Yahweh of the middle part, nope, of the very last dregs. nope, of the first of your dough you shall present A loaf as a contribution, like a contribution from the threshing floor, so shall you present it. Some of the first of your dough you shall give to Yahweh as a contribution throughout your generations. The second thing there is that God's grace produces excellent fruit, it produces humble gratitude. What's gonna happen when they get into the land and they're gonna get there because Yahweh's faithful and generous, gracious and true? The grain's gonna grow. And when the grain grows, They're going to harvest it. When they harvest it, they're going to make bread. And when they make bread, they're going to take that first loaf and they're going to bring it to Yahweh. Why? They're saying, it all comes from you. It's all yours. It's all yours. You're generous. You gave the beginning of the harvest. You'll give the whole harvest. We come with our first fruits because everything belongs to you. As a matter of fact, I belong to you. Have you ever thought about it? I mean, some people here have wonderfully impressive careers. And for that, I'm thankful and I'm I'm intrigued and interested by all the amazing good work that people in our church do. And some of those fascinating and excellent careers produce um, a really good living and even remarkable wealth. And it's wonderful. Wealth is God's gift and God's blessing. Uh, Try doing that job that God gave you without your lungs. Every breath is God's gift. Try doing that great job that God gave you and trained you to do without your brain. Uh, God made your mind. Uh, try doing uh, that that work, that job without your sanity. Every good thing you have is held together and sustained by a good and gracious creator. And so humble, gratitude is expressed when God puts good things in our hands. We bring the first part to him. That's why our Offerings on Sundays are called first fruits. We bring our first part in him and we say, oh Lord, it's all from you. It all belongs to you. And I myself am simply your servant. I belong to you too. What a privilege it is to be God's people. We don't bring our gifts to a building. We bring them to God. What a gift. What a privilege it is to be the people of God. We're going to come to the table in just a minute, but since this passage shows us the very effective ministry of a mediator, that certainly should grab our attention and help us think very clearly about Jesus Christ, shouldn't it? This, this passage said that they, they brought the bread and the oil and the wine with a lamb, right? With a lamb. And Moses was a very effective mediator, giving God's law about the bread and the oil and the wine they'd bring with the lamb. But you know how the story works. All of these laws and all of these promises and all these institutions pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ himself, God's own son, who would become one of us to rescue us from ourselves and from sin and death. And God's own son, who is he? But he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I want you to remember with me, brothers and sisters, that Jesus is a better and more effective mediator than Moses. Moses gave laws about sacrifices, but Jesus came as the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate high priest. And what did he do? But he offered himself as the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, Moses told him what sacrifices to bring to the tabernacle. But when Jesus offered his life in your place and mine, when he was resurrected as the only obedient son who ever lived, he passed not into the tabernacle and not of the temple made by human hands, but no, into heaven itself before the right hand of God, the father almighty with his shed blood for you. So your debts would never count against you and his life would always count for you. What a great and mighty mediator and savior we have. Let us by faith have fellowship with him at his table. Father in heaven, thank you so much for sending your son to be our savior, to be the lamb of God who takes our sin away for this. We are truly thankful because it's true. Would you give us joy in your presence? And new levels of humility that befit this reality. Even as we come now to your table. Grant us the grace we need to see you aright and ourselves rightly. And strengthen our faith in the Lord Jesus who is our salvation. Amen.